This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Equity Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you can Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. That's good. I I am uh, in so many minds about this episode. I am beaten down. I've lost this competition year after year <laughs> that I can't even muster the energy to say that I'm excited for this episode. <laughs> wow. Oh, that, is, that is a world first. This I is a world first. That's because we're doing stock of the year. Yes. Uh, traditionally an episode that uh, you put a lot of uh, time and energy in and great research. Tencent pitch last year was epic. And unfortunately, your <laughs> stocks seem to have a lag on them. Uh, you pick them, they don't perform so well, and then in the following years, they tend to do well. It'll be interesting to see how Tencent goes this year. Could go really well. It could. It could. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're wiping the slate clean, yep. and it's uh, a new year, 2022. We've both got a stock. New year, new you. New year, new us, and uh, you're incredibly excited. You've been um, Pumping up this stock. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm really I, excited to hear. I I do. Uh, I am actually quite excited to talk about this company. The approach that I took after being in my own head about um, how am I going to beat Bryce? How am I going to pick a stock that doesn't lose a third of its value uh, in the year that I pick it? And I was like, oh, do I just do the S&P 500 index? <laughs> and then I was like, nah, that's boring. Like that one, that won't be a good episode. And two, it's not in the spirit of the competition. And then I was like, do I just pick a super safe, uh, you know, like an Alphabet or a Microsoft, like a company that just plugs away. Just plugs away. Yeah. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to bring to the table a company that I just find interesting and that I would enjoy talking about for 15 minutes because let's be honest, I can't do any worse than I've done. Um, Fair point. And if it goes up, if it goes down, at least I'm bringing a really interesting company to the table that I don't think you will have heard of before, 
but I think is worth knowing about because it's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I am excited. Yeah, great. I kid. <laughs> I, I, can, I can sense it. But before we do that, we should say if people like starting the year off hearing about individual stocks, Felicity and Candace over on Talk Money to Me have done 22 stocks for 2022. Mm. We're only doing two. Yeah, I know. Pretty amazing. Them. Not yes. Us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing. We're getting two stocks under. <laughs> yeah, go over and listen to Talk Money to Me as they chat about 22 stocks on their watch list for 2022. They're doing a great job over there. And and tune into them if you haven't already as uh, they also do uh, order pad episodes where they deep dive on a couple on um, stocks that are on their order pad for their clients. So uh, if you do want stock specific stuff, certainly go and listen to Talk Money to Me. But Ren, let's let's crack in. Well, no time like the present. No time like the present. But uh, we should say, on, on these episodes where we're pitching individual stocks, it's really important to stress that this is not financial advice. Mm. Bryce and I are not advisors. We don't know your personal circumstances. We are two people who are trying to learn out in the open, who are trying to share our journey. But we are not saying this is a buy. If you'd seen my track record <laughs> over the last three years, that goes without saying, but we should say it. Yes. Two companies to add to your watch list to research yourself, but there's so many investing opportunities out there. Do your own research. Find your own opportunities. We are entertainment, not advisors. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Let's do it. Who's going to go first? You, you go first. Okay. I can't wait. I can't. I don't want to. I don't want more any more suspense. All right. All right. So this company is a company that has created 128 billion dollars in shareholder value. Shareholder value over the past two decades, mm-hmm. but only has a market cap of $12 billion. Wow. What the? What the? How does that make sense? How weird is that? <laughs> yeah. This company is the anti-conglomerate. Okay. We look at someone like Berkshire Hathaway and we see them buying stakes in businesses or buying full businesses, rolling them up into this efficient, well-oiled machine that sits under Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and we admire it. This is the opposite of that. This is a company that sucks in little companies and spits out giant world-beating companies. Really? This <laughs> this company is IAC, Interactive Corp. Okay. Have haven't you, haven't have heard, you of heard of them. No. Well, let me start it this way. Have you ever wondered, oh, don't look it up on your computer. Let me give you the spiel. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on, come yeah, on. Let sure, me give you the spiel. Sure. Have you ever wondered, you go on like a random website or like use a random tool online and you wonder who owns that? Yeah. Like Vimeo, mm-hmm. the video player, or Investopedia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Investopedia, that's a good one. Interactive Corp owns it. Owns or owned? <laughs> Vimeo owned, Investopedia owned. So what they do, they own, you know, like hundreds of internet businesses and they roll them up into separate business, like into separate business units and then they spin those business units out and they give shareholders of Interactive Corp shares in the new businesses. All right. So some uh, over the past 25 years, they've spun out 11 public companies, uh, some names that you probably are familiar with. And they still hold shares in those companies? No, no, no. So, uh-huh. the, But the shareholders do. It's not like the Coles and West Farmers Day merger where West Farmers hung on to like 20% of the Coles mm-hmm. shares. This is like 100% you're your own company. But if you're an interactive corp shareholder, you hold those shares. I get it. What, what's the what's the reasoning behind that for IAC? These companies are just better on their own. Like they can 
manage their own capital. They can take advantage of their own opportunities. But, but I mean, it's an interesting decision for ISC not to want to... Um, because it still creates the shareholder value. Yeah. Like, so this company is mainly controlled by this one guy, Barry Diller, oh, who okay. I'll get to. But, you know, like if you're an IAC shareholder, whether IAC owns it or whether it's its own company, either way, yeah, it doesn't you, matter. You, own, yeah. you get the shares. Yeah. That was the point of the opening. You know, they've created $128 billion in shareholder value, but they're only a $12 billion company. Yeah. The value just gets goes out into the world. Yeah. So they've created they've spun out eleven public companies over the past twenty five years. Expedia. Yep. Heard of it? Yep. TripAdvisor, which was actually spun out of Expedia. Yep. Match Group. Yep. Which we oh, did no our way. summer series um deep dive on. Vimeo, the video player, Lending Tree, which is a big online lending business, Ticketmaster, you've probably heard of, since acquired, a number of others, Home Shopping Network, a bunch of others. And then they've also sold a bunch of notable companies. So rather than spun them out, just sold them directly. Newsweek, they owned for a while. Urban Spoon, they sold. Uh, USA Network. Um, so like a number of big companies have have gone through IAC. Do they get these companies at, like in their infancy, to for, turn them into something big, yeah, sell them off, or yeah. do they create them? Bit of both. But for example, Match Group, they bought Match.com in like 1996. And then Tinder was actually started at an IAC incubator by a bunch of USC students. But then they bought Tinder later. They bought a number of the other apps. Then they rolled it into this online dating company, Match Group, that then they spun out last year. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's the business model. So let me give you a worked example of how, how this works in practice. So in 1995, Barry Diller took over the company. It was then known as Silver King, since renamed. Then it was trading at $39 a share. So if you bought 10 shares, $39 a share, $390. If you just held those original 10 shares until today, here's what you would own. 10 shares of IAC, 10 shares of Expedia, four shares of QVC, five and a half shares of Live Nation, 0.6 0.6 shares of Lending Tree, 21 and a half shares of Match Group, 10 shares of TripAdvisor, 6.6 shares of Marriott Vacations, and then you would also have $59 in cash from when another company that was spun out was then since acquired. So all up at the end of last year, all of those different shareholdings that you would have had from the original 10, 10. shares that you bought uh, would be worth seven thousand one hundred and seventy dollars from three ninety from three ninety, wow. which is a compound annual growth rate since nineteen ninety five of twelve percent. Yeah, compare that to Berkshire Hathaway ten percent in that time, or the S and P five hundred seven percent in that time. Well, how rich is the um main dude? He's a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's really impressive. What role does he play? He was CEO, now he's chairman, but he also is like. He's not majority shareholder, but he's got like a class of shares that gives him a fair bit of power. That's the business model, the anti-conglomerate business model. They exist to buy and build up companies, internet companies, media companies, tech companies, build them up and then spin them off to shareholders. And so some of the companies that they operate now, Angie's Home Services, which is like an online marketplace connecting consumers to home home services professionals, kind of like um, high pages. High pages, Yeah. yeah. Dot Dash and Meredith are two online publishing brands, like big portfolios. They own uh, publishing brands including Investopedia, People, Entertainment, Better Homes and Gardens, InStyle, Brides, like a whole bunch of things. 
Dot Dash has 96 million monthly viewers. Meredith has 144 million. So you can see they're building like a digital publishing business that maybe they sell or they spin out at some point. They've got, you remember Ask Jeeves? Yeah. Which is now just sure. Ask. So they they have a search business where they own all of those assets. Okay. Don't know what they're doing Pointless, with that. Yeah. yeah. But it earns a bit of money. Care.com uh, is another online marketplace for caregivers, um, childcare, senior care, tutoring, housekeeping, stuff like that. Mosaic Group is a web development company. This was an interesting one. So they have 44 branded mobile apps, 3.8 million paying subscribers. But it's all those weird apps that, again, it's like, who the hell owns this? Who the hell makes this? Not like games, but just like strange apps, mm, like, mm, you know, mm. productivity apps yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. they own a bunch of them. My Fitness Pal and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Vivian Health, uh, marketplace for healthcare professionals. Blue Crew, a marketplace for hourly jobs. So it's all these like online businesses that they're trying to build up and scale and then they eventually sell or spin out. So it's out. kind of conglomerate than not conglomerate. Like Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But rather like, than like keeping like, them all in-house. They, yeah, at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they also have minority investments. They invested $250 million into Turo, which is a peer-to-peer car-sharing marketplace, Airbnb for cars, kind of like car next door that we have yeah, here, yeah. Uh, which filed for an IPO like a week ago. Uh, and then they invest. They own 12% of MGM Resorts International. Oh, nice. The Las Vegas, um, well, the global casino operator and yeah. the sports book. Which we'll come back to because I think that's the big one, the interesting one. So that's what the company is now. Management, Barry Diller, said his name a couple of times. Let me introduce you. So (laughs) he came up in Hollywood, um, built Fox Broadcasting, was the guy that greenlit The Simpsons back in the day. Oh, wow. Um, Then built up USA Network, was the CEO of Paramount Pictures for a while. So like big in like Hollywood media, that kind of thing. Oh, sorry, yeah, then CEO of 20th Century Fox. That's when he greenlit The Simpsons. He's on the board of Coca-Cola today, a bunch of stuff, pretty impressive management, and then from 95 has been at IAC doing this doing this thing there. There is literally a term that the media use called the killer dillers, and what that is is, you know, in sports there's like coaching trees, mm-hmm. you know, like people in the AFL talk yeah, about Clarko's yeah. coaching tree or yeah. in the NFL, Bill Belichick's coaching tree. In business management, there's the killer dealers, which is basically all of these executives that have he's built up and mentored and trained. Wow. Michael Eisner, who was CEO of Disney. Jeffrey Katzenberg, co-founder of DreamWorks. Uh, Dawn Steele, who was the president of Columbia Pictures. Dara Kashawari the Uber CEO, yeah, yeah. who was a CFO at IAC and then Barry Diller basically tipped him to run Expedia when it became a public company. Mindy Grossman, CEO of Weight Watchers, a number of others, like all of these incredible executives have come up under him. And so if you talk about like good management, management yeah, yeah. and building good management for a lot of these portfolio businesses, yeah, he's, he's got a pretty good track record. Wow. So... That's the business, that's the management, that's the business model. But recently the company spun off two of its best assets, Match Group and Vimeo. Yeah. And so then you wonder why am I picking it for stock of the year? 
Number one, because I just wanted to talk about it and I've got no hope of winning this competition. <laughs> never know, yeah. But number two, um, there's a couple of potential catalysts that I think are interesting. So the first one is the spin-offs of Match Group and Vimeo has freed up their balance sheet. They've got about $1.5 billion in cash. They can raise more money if they want to. So they've got some options. But the second one is this MGM stake. So they spent about a billion dollars to take 12% in a casino operator and sportsbook operator. The question is why? The expectation is MGM have a like an online sportsbook that apparently is just not doing that well. It's producing so much so little revenue that it you MGM basically round it down to zero. And there's an idea that IAC are coming in to try and do what they've done in a number of other industries and take it from offline to online consolidate a number of businesses and then spin it out so it's a way to play the legalization of sports gambling in the u.s they've done this with dating they got all these online apps aggregated them turned it into match group they did it with ticketing um they took it from an offline thing to an online thing with Ticketmaster, spun that out they did it with travel took all these off this offline business, bought all these online you know, travel groups, made it into Expedia, spun that out. Uh, they're trying to do it with home services now and you know, tradies and stuff like that with Angie Home Services. And now the idea is that they're doing it with sports gambling and they're trying to move it from offline to online and consolidate a whole bunch of players. So it's early days, but it's an interesting thematic in the US, obviously, sports yeah. books. And there's plenty of ways to play it. You can go you know, directly to like a pen. You can go in Australia to like a points bet. Um, but this is potentially another way to look at it. The bear case, we should just be clear, is a lot of the businesses that they have at the moment might just be dogs, just might not be that good. Like home services, yeah, yeah. online publishing, like not exactly um, the greatest money makers online, mm, you know, mm. may, maybe – They've spun out a lot of the great businesses, Vimeo, Expedia, Match, mm. that really made a lot of money for them mm. and what they're left with isn't that good. Yeah. So that's the that's, that's the real bear case yeah. that this is so dependent on them being able to continue to do what they've done because in the conglomerate business model, you keep the good you stuff. Keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this business model, you spin it out and you rely on your team to find more good stuff. Yeah. No, so that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. A really interesting company. Yeah, really interesting. It reminds me of the one we spoke about uh, last year, the guy rolling up all the really niche software companies. Oh, Constellation Constellation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Interesting business model. I'd love to work at a place like that. I think it would be really interesting to try and roll these up, create businesses, spit them out again. Apparently with LendingTree, so the story is they brought an executive in to do something with online lending. Oh, wait, no, no, no. So not not with LendingTree, with uh, DotDash and Meredith. They brought someone in to do something with digital publishing and he was like, if you want me to do it, he had a look at the market and was like, I need a heap of money to make this Meredith acquisition and roll up a whole bunch of brands. They're like, great, we brought you in to figure it out. Here you go. And so it seems like they get a lot of freedom to build Just, these businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Be epic. So, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Nice one. So, just for those listening at home, it's listed in the States. NASDAQ, the ticker yeah. is uh, IAC. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it, but truly fascinating. A really good uh, 
pitch, I think, for, for Stock of the Year. <laughs> Stock of the Year. Here we go. All right. Uh, let's, take nice. a, let's take a break. Let's hear from our sponsors. And then I'm excited to hear what you're going to beat me with this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not so confident. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Bryce, you've kept the people waiting long enough. What have you got? Well, it's nowhere near as exciting as IAC. It's a company I love. Everyone would have heard about it before. There's potential that I've missed a lot of the upside on this one. It had a cracker of a year last year. Tesla. Along with other many other stocks. No, <laughs> no, come on, come on. Had a stellar 2021. But I, I think this is a stock that should perform if a lot of the headwinds we're expecting to see. It, it should hold up all right in 2022. If we don't see a lot of those headwinds, then I expect it to continue to perform as well as it has over the next 12 months. It's a stock that always under-promises and over-delivers. It's an Australian company every single time. It's very good at keeping the market updated and always beats analyst expectations. And we know that the stock market loves Zero. that. No. Okay. Uh, we know the stock market loves that. And it is a global leader um, and now one of the world's largest asset managers. Macquarie. <laughs> Jeez, how are you going to get 20 minutes out of this? <laughs> no, so for those listening uh, who aren't in Australia and around the world, Macquarie is a uh, is the la- world's largest infrastructure asset manager. It manages $737 billion in assets un- under management, but it's also a global financial services group. It uh, uh, operates in 33 markets around the world and it has four operating groups. As I said, it is one of the world's 50... It's in the top 50 largest asset managers and it's Australia's largest, fifth largest bank. You're going to beat me again. No, no, no. no. As I said, it depends what the market, what happens with the market this year. But um, Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I I just want to, I know I've spoken about a lot, but I just wanted to to go through. um, Well, yeah. And give give the description, but also tell us why you've chosen it for this in particular. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it's made up of four operating groups. Its operating groups are banking and financial services. So this is its retail banking operations, personal banking, wealth management, uh, and business banking. It has about 1.7 million customers in that space. It has Macquarie Asset Management, otherwise known as MAM. It's the world's biggest asset manager, as I said, $737 billion. No, 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 it's not the world's biggest asset manager. Uh, Sorry, infrastructure asset manager, uh, $737 billion. 
Uh, it's got a commodities and global markets arm. And so um, this is a markets facing business, uh, helping everyone with risk management, accessing markets, execution, just your, your normal sort of product market. And then Macquarie Capital, which advises companies on growth opportunities, um, sources investment funds, um, negotiates transactions, um, and also spins off companies and lists them on the share markets and those sorts of things. So the, the investment banking side. Four areas of the business. If we have a look at the financials, as I said, this is where they continually surprise the market. They had half year to 30th of September, 2020, Operating income $12.7 billion. Net income on that was $3 billion, uh, but they've just posted a $2 billion profit in the first half of 2022, up from $985 million in the corresponding period. So um, churning out cash. And that income is well diversified, which is one of the reasons I like them. They get 34% of their income from the Americas, 23% from Europe uh, and the Middle East. 11% from Asia and 32% from Australia, New Zealand. So pretty well diversified spread of uh, income from around the world. The reason I like them though is because of their change in business model since the JFC hit. When the JFC hit in 2008, it really forced Macquarie and a lot of investment banks to look at their business model, particularly their risk management practices and where they were getting a lot of their revenue from. Uh, and this forced Macquarie to change their, I guess, their revenue base and has subsequently delivered a thousand percent increase from the bottom of uh, to the GFC 2009 in their share price. Um, so it's been pretty significant return in shareholder value. So what did they do? The bulk of their earnings traditionally came from its market-facing businesses, which was the commodities and, and global markets and Macquarie Capital. What they then did was uh, change that from, and so that was a lot of advisory fees and trading desks, so commission-based stuff. Um, 70% of their revenue came from that side of the business in 2014. In 2015, though, they started scaling up what they call their annuity-style businesses, which is their banking and financial services and their MAM or their Macquarie Asset Management. Annuity-style businesses, for those at home, uh, who are unsure what that means. It means they're businesses that generate steady income and are reasonably low risk. And for Macquarie, this means their asset management business, asset financing and retail banking services. They all produce recurring revenue year in, year out. And as investors, we love recurring revenue. So that's changed how revenue and profit has been broken. And their annuity style activities now account for 63% of their net profit compared to what it was 30% sort of, you know, five or 10 years ago. Um, and their biggest contributor to that is their Macquarie Asset Management, which 10 years ago, as I said, was only 30% of the business. But why am I choosing this for 2022? If interest rates go up, right? Interesting to get your, your thoughts on this. But if interest rates go up, I feel like that they're, they're um, reasonably protected. There's no doubt that low interest rate environment has supported sort of real assets, their infrastructure funds, their property. But I think the impact of rates, we need to look at where they get their revenue from. And as I said, that is Macquarie Asset Management, their infrastructure funds, and their commodities business. If rates go up, it will pull down the value of assets and reduce performance fees. But the way that they make money in these businesses is off 
management fees and management fees aren't based on the valuations of their underlying assets. Um, in it, the majority of management fees aren't based on the valuations of their underlying assets. So the impact of that will be limited. And on the commodities and market side of the business, it's commission based. Um, so it actually does well when there's a fair bit of volatility in the market. So if, um, if there is a bit of a bumpy year this year, you'd expect you know, a fair bit of trading to go on and that side of the business should start to see some, some decent commissions as well. I could be totally wrong here. Well, the other thing is like the infrastructure assets will probably be able to in- pass price increases on. Yeah. They'll, they might be one of the better protected businesses. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think two main growth drivers at the moment for their asset management business is obviously infrastructure, but also renewable energy. So regardless of what happens with rates this year and whatnot, the asset management engine will just continue to grow, I think, regardless of market conditions, because there's just so much money institution around around the world you know, there's almost infinite demand for infrastructure investing at the moment. Why is that? They need to put their money somewhere that's going to just be generating long-term consistent returns. You think about all the pension funds around the world that have so much money they need to put somewhere. We've just seen Sydney Airport be bought by uh, by pension funds. So Macquarie are really well positioned for that. There's just such huge institutional demand for infrastructure investment. They're really good at raising money. They can raise huge funds and they consistently do so and uh, consistently churn out pretty decent returns. Mm. One other thing that I really like about them as well is their talent. They are known as producing millionaires. They're known as the millionaire factory. So they attract talent. They probably have some of the best talent in the business, in investment banking and asset management, and they're really good uh, at keeping that talent primarily because the way their their incentive structures are set up. You get paid bonuses that have sort of three-year cliffs on them or whatever it may be. You don't actually get to realize the the stock options for a number of years, which keeps a lot of their good talent in position in positions and they foster talent up the chain. Mm. So, yeah, I think for me um, it's a business that I don't think is going to go gangbusters. It's not, it's not your tech stock. It's not your Tesla. But equally, I think it's more of a downside play for me. I think it's positioned well enough. It's got revenue coming from a number of different areas, uh, but the two biggest buckets of revenues there, asset management and commodities and global markets, which uh, I think shouldn't be too impacted should market conditions become a little hairy. Again, there's probably people listening thinking that I've lost the plot, but um, for me, Macquarie. So in the past two weeks, they're down about 9%. But I think before that, they were Australia's third largest bank. Like they they had just got past Westpac and ANZ. Wow. But now now ANZ and Westpac have jumped them again. But I think, yeah, they're like right right in there. Yeah. Wow. Good pick. It is it's not as exciting as IOC. It's not as uh Yeah, but I mean if you if you're talking about a company that has just like multiple routes to make money, it's like they literally just have a monopoly on talent from like young monopoly on young talent. So if you're a great investment, like a great finance or economics or probably great any student these days, Macquarie get you there, they entice you and it's Mm. where you want to go. And then they lock you into employee share schemes with like 10 year vesting (laughs) and the shares are doing so well that like, you don't, you don't leave, want to leave, yeah. And then they just empower you to just find ways to make money. Well, I think that's what the one of the key things. Um, we know a couple of people who've worked there, and they they really just say, 
go out and make us money. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You have one job to do. If you, yeah. <laughs> and like you are properly compensated for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can Profit deliver. Profit share and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if, if you were to say what's the ingredients for a great business, it's getting the best people possible and giving them the freedom to just pursue whatever they want to do around the world. Yeah. And Macquarie sort of built that. Yeah. And like you could see plenty of ways where it doesn't work and there's always risks, but I oh mean, it's as good a business as you can find, really. I know. There's just, yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's just so much money looking to park it in infrastructure projects, renewable projects. And these guys are the biggest managers of that in the world. It so does, it's like. What one thing where like you don't want to have an over reliance on what is fast becoming the hottest asset class in the world like the amount of money chasing those assets renewable energy assets and just infrastructure assets generally pension funds like sovereign wealth funds big fund managers like everyone is chasing them and so potentially you get into bidding wars and you spend more than you should on these assets but then again like even as i say that if there was one asset manager that i expected to be disciplined when it came to this stuff it'd probably be Macquarie yeah 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 well there you go to uh an Australian-based company a US-based company that's it stock of the year done and dusted we'll put that away and uh see how we go in 12 months time yeah Uh, just a reminder as we get off talking about how good Macquarie is we are just two people trying to learn you've got to do your own research um We've been wrong plenty of times before and we'll be wrong plenty of times again. This could be one of them. This could be one of them. So do your own research. D-I-Y-R. D-Y. <laughs> Whatever. We're wrong about that as well. <laughs> Ren, always good to chat stocks. Uh, I'm hoping to do more of it this year as well. We've got uh, plenty of awesome episodes coming up to kick off the year. Uh, we've got Nick Griffin coming back on the show soon to chat about uh, what's going on in his world of investing Um, plenty of awesome experts and some EM chat to kick off the year. So it's been a pleasure. Great to be back into it. Uh, Exciting start. And we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 